The Buccaneers fall to two and one in ugly fashion against the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night. That and more on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. You are Locked on Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome into this live edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, we want to thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listener view every single day. Don't forget, you can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube, where a lot of people are watching this live right now, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow on Twitter. I am James Yarko at JRCO underscore Bucks. He is David Harrison at D Harrison 82, your host of Locked On Bucks, credentialed members of the media covering the Buccaneers. I'm the deputy editor of SB Nation's BucksNation.com. David is a staff writer over at BucksGameDay.com, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the Buccaneers. And we are here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers, our every livers. And as always, we want to share our appreciation for your continued support of the show. Yeah, we do. Uh, the live chat is hopping and popping already. Welcome, yeah. everybody. Joining us in the live, we've got some rugby hate going on we've got some todd bowles master class i believe there's some Todd bowls hate going on on today's episode of locked on bucks we're gonna stash and trash some things that we just saw on monday night football and then james is gonna dust off the old soapbox and stand upon it while i take a little bit of nap in segment three um but you guys will enjoy that you always enjoy a, a good james yarko rant but first we got to talk about the tampa bay buccaneers losing to the philadelphia eagles 25 to 11 falling to two and one on the season which if we told you before the season this team would be two and one after three games, everyone would basically be fine with that result and probably would have pointed to this game as the one they lost, right? But yeah, it's not right. just the loss. It's sometimes it's how you lose that that becomes a little bit of the problem. Uh, and, and if you see if you're watching on YouTube, I've got two hats on either side of me. Those are the two teams I cover. Believe me, I understand the importance of how you lose, not just losing and being two and one after three weeks. So we're going to go over the biggest moments in this game here in the first segment, at least as far as we saw it. If you've got a biggest moment in this game, by all means, drop it in the comment section, or if you want to add to the conversation about the biggest moments that we're going to talk about here. And I'm going to talk about my biggest moment. I've got a cuss word written in on the script here, so I'm not going to say that part of it, but it's the stupid freaking safety. It is the safety. That, to me, was arguably the biggest moment in this game. That's not to say that the Buccaneers – we're in a very good position at that point in time, right? They were definitely still losing that game, and the offense wasn't doing a whole, a whole a whole heck of a lot. But it was a very critical moment because the Buccaneers really needed their defense to continue doing what they were doing for much of the game, that is at least stepping in and keeping things competitive, keeping it to where the offense could still have the opportunity to dig down deep, pull out some plays and some first downs and string together a drive and put some points on the board and make this thing competitive. And what did they do? They go and they run on first down. I almost got a first and goal, but it's basically first and goal for the Eagles. They run on first down. It goes nowhere, uber predictably. Like I, I think everybody 
on Twitter, everybody in the stadium, everybody watching on TV, everybody at Buffalo Wild Wings, let's go sports bar. That's a free plug, but they should pay us for it. Everybody watching this game sat there, right? And, and shout out to my guys, Gabe Burns and Mike Keywalk, right? Because we're in the Twitter DM, and what are we saying? Please, Dave Canales, do not try to run the ball out of here. And what does Dave Canales do? Love Dave Canales, still love Dave Canales outside of tonight. In 51 minutes, I will love Dave Canales again because it'll be Tuesday. He runs the ball. Mm-hmm. And predictably, the greatest Sun Devil running back to ever, ever live, unfortunately, was not able to make it out. And I'm not going to put it all on the offensive line, but you know what I mean? There were a lot of running struggles today that we'll talk about, but didn't make it out. And essentially, Jalen Hurts threw himself a two-point bomb, right? That's, that's basically what happened is Jalen Hurts throws a bomb down the field and gets intercepted. Boom, very next play, two points, we get the ball back. I mean, you almost couldn't script it better if you're the Philadelphia Eagles in that situation because the defense comes up with the play, but then you go, ha-ha, not so fast. That's actually a really big play for us going the other way. So that, to me, was just, you know, there, there are a lot of moments you could point to, but that, to me, definitely one of the biggest in this game. Yeah, when they lined up, you know, after getting the ball on essentially the two-yard line, I looked at my son and I said, just run the ball straight ahead with Baker Mayfield. Get yourself one, two yards of breathing room. Just push the pile forward, get a little bit of space, do not turn around and hand this ball off. That's exactly what they did. And I spent the majority of my evening on the Bucks Nation Twitter account defending the fact that the Buccaneers were still sticking to the run, even though it wasn't working, because I said on this show on Monday, even if the run is not garnering results, keep doing it because you have to keep the Eagles defense honest. They did, but just have some situational awareness. That's all I ask. But David, as big of a moment as that was, it was not the biggest moment uh, because at that point, there was already a 17-point lead by the Eagles. My biggest moment is Mike Evans' drop in the end zone. The Buccaneers ended up settling for a field goal to tie the game at three instead of taking a 7-3 to lead a little bit more than halfway or a little bit less than halfway through the second quarter. Who knows? how that changes the complexion of the game because although the defense was on that field a lot, having that long sustained touchdown drive starts to shift things a little bit. Mike Evans, two really, really bad drops in the first half. The first one was on that opening drive. Third down, should have come down with it. Yes, the ball was a little high, but Mike got both hands on it and then smacked the ball out of his own hands with his helmet. Then. Although my guy, Sidney Brown, did get his hand in there in the end zone, Mike Evans had both hands on that ball, should have been able to hold on to it. The Bucs take a 7-3 lead. We could be talking about a very different game. Maybe not. Maybe the Eagles do still win. But maybe it's 21-17. Or maybe, you know, it's a little bit closer, a little bit more competitive than it really was. But that right there was a moment that the Buccaneers had to really seize control of a game against a much, much better football team, and they dropped it quite literally and figuratively. Yeah. Uh, Reese mentions in the live chat that Mike Mike Evans' body seems a little bit off, doesn't look like he's having uh, a lot of fun. 
Um, we also have a question asking who here likes pizza. Uh, I like pizza. Thanks for coming. I, through. I, I do comment. enjoy pizza. I do not enjoy. Yeah, I think a lot of people enjoy pizza. As far as uh, Mike Evans not having fun, you know, look, I don't want to read too much into things, right? But if Mike Evans isn't having fun, it's really odd because he's he's on pace even still after this game. I mean, what sixty yards and a touchdown? He's on pace to have a career season like this. Honestly, from a personal standpoint, is still one of the best starts to a season he's had his entire career. So he should be having a lot of personal fun, even if. You know, you are dealing with a loss. Obviously, he's not going to be smiling and joking after this one. But well, and, and know, if he's I, not having fun, that one-handed catch that he makes in the fourth quarter, you know, where he ends up like riding Bradbury for a couple yards and then still lands on his feet and tries to get up and run. He's not making yeah. those plays. He's not putting his body on the line for those plays if he is not out there having fun. I mean, maybe it's not fun getting your butt kicked on national TV, right. but he's still out there. He still loves the game. He's still doing everything he can to help the Buccaneers, you know, contract be darned. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to buy into that one too much. Yeah. I think Mike Evans mentally is fine. You know what I mean? We yeah. did have a brief conversation before the season about whether or not the contract situation uh, would play into it. And, and yeah, it was Blankenship that Mike Evans took yeah. for the ride, Blankenship, but Bradbury. regardless, the Eagles defensive back, right? So uh, you know, I don't think Mike Evans mentally, I don't think there's an issue mentally um, with Mike Evans. I just think, you know, yeah, he had he had some drops today. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I agree. Somebody else in the chat, I put it up on the screen already, but said that, you know, on, on that in that end zone uh, on that play with Sidney Brown, you got to reach out and snag that thing, man. You're an NFL receiver. You got to put your hands up uh, and then you got to get it. And James, you can test this. I messaged right after the game. I messaged you that I said, Mike Evans has to reach his hands out uh, and snag yeah. that thing. He can't let that thing get into his chest because getting into his chest is how Sidney Brown got into the ball. So. You know, it, one thing leads to another. So certainly some big moments in this game. Uh, we've got some other things in this game that we want to see moving forward. So there actually were some positives, but there are certainly some things that we don't want to see moving forward. We're going to stash some things. We're going to trash some things that we saw in this loss to Philly. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Nutrafol. You don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. The number one dermatologist recommended it recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated, natural science-backed ingredients, and their drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. Go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their hair health wellness quiz, identify causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping. When you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter promo code LOCKEDONNFL, find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men and enter promo code locked on NFL. That's Nutrafol.com slash men promo code locked on NFL. 
Thanks again for making Locked On Bucks first listener of you today and every day, especially following wins and especially following Buccaneers losses here with a group therapy Tuesday session of Locked On Bucks. Shout out to everybody joining us live, joining us after the live as well on YouTube and wherever you get audio podcasts. We appreciate all of you every day as we appreciate you even more. Make sure you come back tomorrow. James and Evan Klosky of WTSP 10 Tampa Bay will be back to discuss this game even further. Now it's time, James, to stash it and trash it, our weekly post-game segment where we stash some things that we saw in the Bucks game to use again next week and in the future, and we trash some things that, of course, we want no parts of moving forward. Uh, the live chat, very much looking forward to Nutrafol, uh, a lot of Nutrafol fans in the live chat, so I'd love to see that. Stash number one, I'm going to go first, and this one might draw some conflicting responses, right? But the first thing I want to stash is the depth and the new defensive backs on this Buccaneers roster stepping up. And I say that contextually, right? Because obviously, Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost. Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles got some chunk plays. A.J. Brown kind of went off. But that's why I add in the contextually. When you realize or when you think about the fact that this team played without Carlton Davis and played half this game without Jamel Dean. I know that Jamel Dean came back in the third quarter, but basically he was in for part of the first series in the, in the first half. He was out for part of a series. So if you combine those, he basically played half the game, right? And then the other half of the game, you're going with Zion McCollum, Christian Izian, and Dee Delaney. Those are your, your defensive backs against Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and, and company. I mean, that is a as tough a matchup as it can get. And we have seen, James, some of the better defenses in the National Football League get boat raced by this same offense. And mm -hmm. even with these guys stepping up into these positions, that didn't happen. A.J. Brown just had his 11th career game of 130 yards receiving or more, right? Why is that a positive? Well, because this game, he had his second lowest yards per catch out of all of those games, right? So, yes, he got a good amount of total yardage, but it took him more catches to do that than it typically does when he's usually going up against almost fully healthy defenses, if not fully healthy defenses. Plus, it's the third time in his career that he's been held out of the end zone while catching 130 or more yards in a game. So, look, a little bit of, of credit due there. And Devontae Smith only had 28 yards on four receptions on the other side of that matchup. So, you know, again, it's it's not great, right? But when you're talking Zion McCollum, D. Delaney, and Christian Izzy, an undrafted free agent, I think that that is about as acceptable a performance as you can ask for. And, oh, by the way, you've got a safety in Ryan Neal, who is in his third week playing in this defense in that secondary so again it's not great you don't love it necessarily across the board because of the loss and because it is a still 130 yard performance by an opposing receiver but when you look at it, if that's the kind of performance that you're getting from these young guys that means that you've got smart football players capable talent they're bought into the system i think that's really one of the most important things here they're bought into the system and they don't shrink away from the spotlight this is the philadelphia eagles defending nfc champs this is Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown. This is Monday Night Football. You know what I mean? They don't shrink in the moment. That's going to serve you really, really well. If that mentality and that ability continues forward, which is what this is all about, right? Stashing it to continue that moving forward. By week 13, you could have a secondary that is really, really dangerous in the National Football League. Yeah, and, and you know, it is worth mentioning you had – D. Delaney come in for an injured Jamel Dean. Then you had Derek Pitts Jr. come in for an injured D. Delaney. They were they were pulling people out of the stands to come in and play corner in this game. Got to get healthy uh, ahead of the Saints game. But I'm going to talk a little bit more about the secondary in a minute. But I have the first trash it 
And you know what I'm trashing, David? Chris Godwin's target share. All right, enough is enough. Through three games, he has 19 targets. His streak of con- of 16 consecutive games with five or more receptions was snapped on Monday night. He has been targeted on just 20% of Mayfield's passes. Evans, Mike Evans, for context, has 30% of Mayfield's targets. Devin Tompkins on Monday night against the Eagles was targeted one fewer time than Chris Godwin. For those of you that listened to my episode on Monday, I talked about how Chris Godwin was one of the big keys to be able to beat the Philadelphia Eagles because you were going to be able to scheme him into mismatches. And yes, uh, uh, it was it was James Bradbury who lined up in the slot and you know was trying to take Chris Godwin out of this game. There were multiple times that Chris Godwin was open and flat out wasn't looked at. There, the lone Baker Mayfield interception we have on the season was an open Chris Godwin that Baker just flat out threw late. He gave uh, who was the the eagle that intercepted and I can't remember the other the other B name. Um, he was able to read it perfectly because Baker Mayfield was so late. If you want to win these games, it cannot be the Mike Evans show week in and week out. Chris Godwin is a necessary part of this offense that is not getting the ball thrown his way nearly enough. We are talking if Baker Mayfield has 25 pass attempts in a game, 15 of those, 18 of those combined need to go to Mike and Chris, and it needs to be much closer to 50-50 than 67-33. Like we've been saying, you have to get Chris Godwin more opportunities five targets three receptions is not going to get it done my stash uh david you talked about the secondary as a whole i want to talk about christian isian this dude is him he has made major impact plays every single week and now he's going to have to take on an even larger role with the injuries to carlton davis and jamel dean and d delaney we don't know their status right now uh, but things are not going to get easier against Chris Olave and Slants McGee with the Saints coming up this weekend. Izian has to continue to, to maintain or even increase this level of play for the Buccaneers defense to have an opportunity. So I did want to highlight him specifically real quick because every single week we're talking about how good this kid is. You even wrote a, a really nice piece about him over at BucksGameDay.com. Yeah, I did. Appreciate the shout out for that one. Um, yeah, a lot of comments going on in the live chat. I appreciate it, guys. Keep it going. Um, so my trash, I'm gonna go with the first down runs, right? And and here's the thing, actually. I think a lot of people might be surprised to find out that out of 20 first down plays that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers run ran Monday night, eight of them were runs. So 12 of them were actually passes, right? But mm-hmm. here's the reason the runs stick out so much, and here's the reason the runs seem like they were so heavily heavy and prevalent because their impact on the game was so huge out of those eight runs on first downs. One of them was successful. And for those who don't know successful run, a successful first down play gains 40% of the yards that you need. So first and 10 is standard 40% of the yards is four yards. So if you don't gain four yards or more on first down, it's considered an unsuccessful first down play. So one of the first down runs that the Buccaneers uh, executed 
on Monday night was successful. That's a 13% successful succession success successful rate. I don't know what you want to call success it. Success rate. Success rate. No, oh, wait. Yeah. Why am I getting fancy with it? Seven of their 12 first down passes, on the other hand, were successful. That's a 58% success rate. That's that's a Shaq Barrett last year success rate. Was he 58? He was 58. He was at the and time now, of the this season, year. He's seven. So, I mean, this year, seven successful first down passes, 58%. I mean, listen, I mean, come on. It writes itself at the time of the safety. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had run seven first down runs. They had gained a total on those seven first down runs of 10 yards. That's a 0.7 yards per carry average. They ran seven first down passes up to that point as well. So balanced, right? Seven passes, seven runs. Those seven first down passes gained them 52 yards. That's counting, ladies and gentlemen, an 11-yard sack that was that had that Baker Mayfield took uh, on one of those pass plays. So technically, it's only six passes, but it's seven pass calls, right? Seven pass calls, 52 total yards, including an 11-yard loss, and you still are netting 7.4 yards per average per pass. And I understand you're on the goal line. It's hard no matter what. But just simply looking at the pace of your game, simply looking at the team, you just have to know running the ball is not working in any situation on first down. Go somewhere else. Go with a screen. And we've had a lot of comments in the live about the lack of screen plays. Stubborn, unlearning play calling is what we saw on the sideline on Monday. It's very disappointing. Uh, and it set the team up for second and long way too many times. Uh, so very, very bad night for Dave, uh, Dave Canales. A lot of lessons for him to learn personally as well as the roster and as well as the guys on the field. Bonus stash before we get to our next break, James. Uh, the entire NFC South lost. So the good news is uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers gained or lost no ground in the NFC South. Bad news is they had a valuable opportunity to gain ground on everybody, uh, and they lost it. But coming up next, James, you are going to have your opportunity to say some angry words, and uh, everybody's going to love it because they always do. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are three-point underdogs on the road against the New Orleans Saints next week, though that might change once Derek Carr is officially ruled out. Of course, the Bucs have their own health issues to worry about before heading on the road, and we'll have all that for you as the week progresses. But now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Wrapping things up here on a live post-game reaction edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast. James Yarko, David Harrison. Uh, Brent, I'm just going to say, I see you in the chat. No, uh, no, Baker Mayfield has not been trash. He's been very good this year. Um, and the Buccaneers are two and one. So let's let's talk about that for a moment, shall we? And I told David that it was going to be soapbox time because of what i was seeing on social media here's the thing the buccaneers were 2 and 0 heading into this game 
Big upset, big surprise win over the Minnesota Vikings on the road to start the season. Then they come out, they beat the Chicago Bears, you know, pretty, pretty handily. They could have probably put up a few more points, but, you know, it is what it is. They still got the win. A lot of Bucks fans were starting to, to get excited, as they should, and started buying into the hype. I even saw people like uh, Trevor Sycamore on Twitter talking about how all week long he said the Eagles were going to win. And then all of a sudden today rolls around and he's like, no, the bucks are not losing to the Eagles on Ronde day. Um, and because of the way events unfolded, I saw so many people talking about how Todd Bowles and Dave Canales should be fired immediately. And that might be one of the stupidest takes I have ever seen. Once again, if David and I could have guaranteed to you that the Buccaneers would be 2-1 and one heading into the game against the New Orleans Saints, there isn't a single Bucs fan that would have, you know, declined that. And, and most of them would have said, yeah, they're going to lose to the Eagles. The Eagles are the best team in the NFC. They are arguably the best team in the NFL. I realize Miami just hung 70 on Sean Payton and the Broncos, which is hysterical. But you are talking about the defending NFC champions. You are talking about a team that has the best offensive line, even without the referee's assistance, the best defensive line, one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best receiving duos, one of the best running backs through three weeks of the of the NFL season. This is a dang good football team. And they are light years ahead of where the Buccaneers are right now. And that's not an insult to the Buccaneers. That is giving credit where credit is due. So to sit there and say that a guy who is an offensive coordinator for the first time in his career, coming off of his third game of play calling, should be fired because one of the best defenses in the NFL was smacking the ever-loving crap out of the Buccaneers quarterback and their running backs is dumb. Don't overreact. Don't panic. It is week three. And David, you and I said how many times from the schedule release all the way up until our our season preview for the first quarter of the season, the Buccaneers are probably heading into the bye two and two. We said it over and over and over again. And most Bucks fans were like two and two heading into the bye. We'll take that. So stop calling for bowls to get fired right now because of this loss. Stop calling for Canales's head because of the way that the offense couldn't move the ball. It's one game. Chill. And that is my soapbox. Um, Zachary, if you want my beard, you need to go grow one of your own. I appreciate the uh, compliment. I believe that was a compliment. You know, look, there, there's, uh, there's a lot of frustration after a game like this. You know what I mean? And we, and we get it. And that's why we call this a group therapy uh, episode. That's what it's here for, right? But starting tomorrow with Evan Klosky, that you know, the the vision is moving forward, and and what what happens moving forward is is very important. Obviously, next week is an even more important game. Than this one, I mean, this is a better team yeah. in Philly, but next week is a more important game because next week is a twofer, right? If you lose that game, 
you lost a game and your division opponent won a game. If you win it, it flips. And it's Jameis Winston. So come on. You want to win that game. You know what I mean? Devin White wants to win that game. Chris Godwin, even though that's his dude, he wants to win that game. You know, look, uh, every day, as you already know this, James and I were big advocates uh, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafting a running back uh, or going after one of these available free agents like a Dalvin Cook or a Kareem Hunt, you know, even an Ezekiel Elliott if he was willing to take a backup role, uh, all those things. Um, it didn't happen, you know. But uh, but honestly, I mean, you go back through the draft class. I mean, Kalaja Kansi, we're getting comments of this is what happens when that D-line is not healthy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You want Kalaja Kansi out there. Cody Malk, this is what the offensive looks like with him. Now imagine it without him, right? So, I mean, you don't go there. Yaya Diaby has made some plays, and if you don't have that rotational pass rusher to, to keep guys fresh, then the, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to do even worse. Servassier Dennis, okay, maybe maybe you kind of go there and say fifth round, you go get a running back. Um, you know, sure, maybe you can find some guys uh, in that range. That's probably the first spot, I would say, fifth round, sixth round, Payne Durham hasn't really been able to contribute much right now. But, you know, you're not going to the fifth or sixth round looking to get guys that are going to be hugely impactful. So, again, I mean, we get it. Um, you know, we don't disagree necessarily, but you know, if, if you go running back for a second, third round, well, now you don't have Cody Malk or you don't have Yaya or you don't have Kalaja. And I know you didn't have Kalaja anyway, but you can't scout regular season injuries. You know what I mean? So uh I think the 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 key word here is patience, you know what I mean? And I think that uh the important thing is that the Buccaneers now get to head to New Orleans with the opportunity to go three and one heading into their bye. Uh, and and we were all kind of complaining about the early season bye. Uh they they kind of need that thing. They kind of need that early season buy. So, I mean, if they can get through New Orleans away or get out of New Orleans with a win, even if they don't, two and two going in the buy, get healthy, come back and, and try to make a push. And look, Dave Canales, yeah, he's going to get better. You know what I mean? He's going to get better. He's going to learn from things. Uh, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. I think whenever you have a young, inexperienced quarterback, you have to expect some bottom fallout type of games. But when you've got a young, inexperienced offensive coordinator, play caller, you again have to kind of expect. Uh, some of these things as well. So, um, good soapbox. That's the end of my response. Uh, patience, guys. That's you know what I mean. That's that's the key here. Exactly. Long yeah. It, the Bucks weren't going seventeen and zero, and there's there's no need to go after you know Dave Canales or or Todd Bowles because of one game. I did see somebody in the chat who said, you know, what's going on with Derek Carr? So. If you are unaware, and the reason we keep bringing up Jameis Winston, Derek Carr suffered a sprained AC joint in the game against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. He is listed as day-to-day, and they are not ready to rule him out for this weekend yet. I'm but ready to rule him out for this weekend. Definitely something to keep an eye on, and I would say there's about a 99.9% chance that Derek Carr is not suiting up for the New Orleans Saints on Sunday, it will be Jameis against the Bucks for first place in the NFC South. But that is going to do it for this episode. Want to thank all of you in the live chat that stayed up with us and uh, you know had the the group therapy session in the live chat. But coming up tomorrow, I will be joined by Evan Klosky for WTSP Wednesday. Get his quick reaction to this Eagles game, and then boom. Turning the page, it's Saints week. Time to take out Slant Boy McGee and, uh, you know, just eliminate him from the game. I By take out, I don't mean injure. I don't mean hurt. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Just, you know, treat him like the wide receiver that he is and just eliminate his lack of skill from the game. And the Bucks will be 
just fine. In the meantime, if you've got questions or comments or anything at all, you can, of course, leave those in the YouTube comments, or you can find us on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, and at DHarrison82. We want to thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listener view every single day. And until we speak again, hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, fire the cannons. Thank you so much for joining us right here on Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank <laughs> you.